passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the most recent sight. A-W, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind a Dynamite, a special edition just because I'm dubbing it a special edition. Hello and welcome to the show. I am joined as always by Waiting. Very special. Yeah, they're all special. What do you Every, mean? Each one is special. Special always. edition this, special edition that. They're all special. No uh, one ever promotes normal edition tonight. They should. They could. Well, uh, tonight's show brought to you once again by Peppermint Tea. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Peppermint Tea. Can't go wrong with Peppermint Do you change up the teas? Yes, I do. What what are what are the go tos? Um, I go. I really like that David's Tea Place a lot. They go all experimental with different flavors. Oh, they got like fifty different teas. Yeah, you can go all over the place. David I'm, really knows his tea. Yeah, David. It's David's Tea, so yeah. of course, yes. Um, you know, as I think about it, uh, it's usually a peppermint variation that is my my standard go to. But I, tea to me is very interchangeable. I'll, I'll be. I'll try any flavor. I'm not opposed to any black, straight, like you don't straight put usually. stuff in. I, it. I usually don't put anything in it. No, yeah. just have it straight. You? Um, when I drink tea, it's usually like green tea, so I don't really. Green add... tea is wonderful. Green tea goes with everything. It kind of does. Yeah. Uh, have you ever had cold green tea? Nope. It's pretty good. I I always heard that like cold tea. If you ordered cold tea, that was like a code word for booze after hours could be yeah but not cold green tea um well i make it at home so um now wait when you're really when work. you're drinking when you make cold green tea does that mean you made green tea and forgot about it for an hour and then it is thus cold green tea i would deliberately actually put it in the fridge you're also like a a cold coffee drinker and i just I, i've yeah. never crossed that that threshold i've never been able to really partake in that like no i i don't judge but it's just try it man live a little i just it's not it's not cold for me. hot come on you got you got to be adaptable it's almost know? like it's milk it's milk at that point with like some, some flavor to it flavored milk milk that's kind of what it is no well how is everything <laughs> Very well. You're here again. I'm here again. This is a live edition, in case you couldn't tell by by this very special edition type of banter. Uh, I'm 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 here in person because I guess let's 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 allow people to to peek behind the curtain a little bit. Um, I we usually record these via Skype, but I don't. You know, in my current living situation, which I'm actually about to move out of, my recording room is right next to the bathroom, so the bathroom is basically unusable. 
during recording hours for me because every little noise can be heard essentially through the wall that that's shared with the recording room and therefore um you know a flush of a toilet would be really audible certainly a shower would be really audible and uh my girlfriend or my fiance at this point oh buddy what what <laughs> She went to the Raptors game, and are you... Well, this is breaking news. She went to the Raptors game? The Raptors, yeah. Breaking oh news, everybody. That's, that's the headline. The Raptors made a new franchise record for uh, for their winning streak, I believe. Oh, Raptors did they? franchise record. Yeah, let me just see this. Okay. Uh, the Raptors had won 11 games in a row three times previously from blah, blah, blah. The Raptors' streak is one of the longest... Okay, maybe this is not a... Wait a second. Yeah, new franchise record with the 12th straight win in a wild rally against the Pacers. Anyway, she was at so the game. So the same week that John Jones could beat George St. Pierre's record for most wins in a title fight where he is tied right now, he could beat the record on Saturday. So the Raptors and John Jones might pull this off in the same they, week. They did tie that perfectly well So together. good for one Canadian, bad for another team. Okay. Uh, vice versa. I guess so, yes. But um, anyway, so like she she's set to, to be back anytime during this recording, uh, which means that you both have crazy hours. I don't know where it all intersects. Like she's, anyway, she's coming home. So, so, late. so, You're in order, out. in order to facilitate the the freedom of the bathroom, I am here at John, at, at the post office to record live in person with John Pollock. So, thank you, John, for opening up the uh, the post office. Well, thank you for after addre- hours. Thank you for addressing this problem and just going out and buying a new place altogether, <laughs> just to avoid this problem. I mean, that I'm sure that, is... that was the root cause of this whole. Uh, this whole change, this whole move that you are undergoing this weekend. Impetus, yeah. Uh, do you need any help moving this weekend? I think I should be okay. Actually, we don't have a ton of stuff, and like, I think we've got like already more people than we need. So, well, that's good. Thank I you. did help you out on on several moves ago. I remember you have. Yeah, thank it was, you. It was that. the day after UFC two hundred one. You helped move a good life out of my condo to. <laughs> I know we've talked my, about that story, but place. when I I did not really go over to your place all that often. You were with a roommate at the time. And Wei and this guy, like, you guys were, like, preparing for, like, to audition for Pumping Iron or something because the amount of weights you had that all had to come down from – what floor were you on? Like, the 20th? We it on the, was, no, we were on the 8th floor. Okay. Yeah. It felt like 20 by pound number 200 that we were lifting down there. But it was yeah. – um, what, what, whatever happened with all those? Because uh, those did not go to so, your, your current no, place. No, no. Um so it was like a power rack. It was like, you know, that's when I was really like kind of starting to get into lifting. And unfortunately, that that relationship had to be cut short because we were essentially evicted out of our place because it, our place was being sold. Anyway, um, so now that stuff sits in my roommate's room. My roommate moved back to his parents' house. And his room really is not bigger than this. So that whole half thing. half of it is weights. That whole thing is just in, <laughs> wow. in there. It's like mostly like the weights are right next to the bed. He steps out of bed and he's inside this power cage. So he loves it though. Um, anyway. He's got to be in ridiculous shape. If It almost sounds like prison know. what you're describing. <laughs> like that's what it does sound like. It's, it, you know, once you, once you have like, um, like your gym right next to your bed, you really have to come up with like, there really are no more excuses to not go to the gym, right? Yeah. You live in the gym at that point. I always figured like that would be the ultimate, like uh, me getting in shape is like if I went to prison for a year or two, I think I would get in really good shape in there. See, we say that. We'd probably just... I'd probably just read a book the whole time there. <laughs> probably just like, I don't know, whatever they do, watch TV or what, like play checkers, chess. Uh backgammon you know the the essentials in prison yeah Yeah. that's what television tells me backgammon tournaments 
All right. We, we actually do have quite a lot to get into. So we are um, uh, good luck with the move. Thank um, you very much. Um, in celebration, actually, John, I'd like to give something away. It's been a while. I don't know if you we realize. We totally didn't do this last week. We totally haven't done it for like a past the past month. And yeah. I apologize because we've been out of the country. Uh, I haven't actually been in a position to really send much mail out over the past month. So apologies to everybody. But usually, and let's start this back up right now, we give out an item of your choice from the post wrestling store store.postwrestling.com which is where you can get all your post wrestling merchandise it helps uh support the site uh, some great designs up there rand it is took season it is took season or beanie depending on your preference you know it's ba- it's baseball cap season as well uh get ready for the summer everybody those are it's badass baseball caps just around the corner you can look like braden harrington who wouldn't want to uh, achieve that i want to thank actually um uh somebody who bought something from the store today i want to thank andrew dean for making a purchase thank you for buying a shirt andrew you have great taste but uh you can also join the the ranks uh yourself if you're a patron of post wrestling because every week on this show we give out an item of your choice from store.postwrestling.com to a very lucky patron who uh who may or may not be listening. Either way, they will find out. Uh, so, John, shall we? Keep it up. Keep it up. It's still loading. All you have to do <laughs> is join the Post Wrestling Cafe, and you are automatically entered in this draw every Wednesday to win an item from store.postwrestling.com. And if you help support the store or join the cafe, you can help get way a faster laptop. Still loading, huh? Still loading, wow, dude. that is really slow. The same thing. It's Patreon, really. It's not me. But uh, okay, congratulations, congratulations goes out to Brent Lockman. Brent Lockman from Toronto, Ontario. Oh, that's an easy delivery. Yes, yes, it is. Would you like to hand deliver this one? Nope. But if um, Brent uh, so desires, I'm sure we could um, Uber it over to him. Congratulations, Brent Lockman. Uh, I will be in contact with you. And uh, store.postwrestling.com is where you can get your merch. And patreon.com slash postwrestling is where you can join yes. and enter. And those that are members of the Post Wrestling Cafe, you are going to have the chance to listen to the Cafe Hangout live Thursday at 3, which is going to be a very big show, uh, going through the whole earnings report, the investors call afterward, and Brandon Thurston will be with us from WrestleNomics. So that's going to be a really fun show, and we'll be opening up the phone lines as well for patrons. Friday night, it's waiting going through Rewind to SmackDown, and will take us through the show from San Jose with Bill Goldberg on the show, setting up his uh, program. And then coming this weekend, we've got the UFC 247 post show. That's a free show with myself and Phil Chairtalk. Sunday morning, Thunderstruck with WH Park. He is going to be joined by... Oh, I need that schedule in Okay, front of okay, me. I'll figure it out. Way will get it. Yes. I'm, get, uh, I'm getting bad at this game at my old age. <laughs> and then Sunday night, Wayne and I will have a bonus show for all patrons as we are going to be going through the new beginning in Osaka card. Nate Milton, it's Liger versus Pillman from the first episode of Monday Nitro in 1995. Can't forget about Brother Nate, who also will be back with us next Tuesday night for patrons. It's the return of the MCU reviews with Black Panther. So if you're joining the cafe, lots of bonus shows over, well, really the whole month, but especially uh, this week with... More than usual. No better time to join at the beginning of the month like you uh, like this is right now. So, yes. Postwrestling.com or postwrestlingcafe.com. Maximize your value. Yes. Okay. Some news items to get to. Quite a few, actually. So, um, 
AEW has confirmed, uh, no surprise here, that Double or Nothing will take place once again from the MGM Grand Garden Arena over Memorial Day weekend on Saturday, May the 23rd, and, you know, going to the same location now for their tentpole events. I think everyone expects All Out will be at the Sears Center again in Chicago over Labor Day weekend. And I guess the the interesting question will be, with tickets going on sale a week from Friday, uh, what kind of demand is there going to be compared to last year where this thing was, you had to fight to get a ticket? We're certainly in a different time when it comes to AEW where, you know, it, at that time, that was one of the only times you'd be able to see this group of people. But now that they're touring all across the, the U.S., uh, is demand going to lessen? You know, we we don't exactly know what matches will be at, at this at this event yet. So I think uh, it's an automatic sellout. You think so? Eh? I do. Yes. Yeah, could very well be. I mean, Vegas is still very much a destination. For they just did people. ten thousand tickets for that dynamite in Newark, New Jersey. So it seems that the Northeast and for big pay per views, I I think this one is going to be another. Uh, I, I don't know if it'll have the same level of demand as last year's have show. They run much in Southern California that area yet? They've had. For Dynamite, no. They have not gone there okay, yet. Okay, well, I could see that attracting a, a number of people from California. They haven't gone to California off I, the top of my head. I don't, th- I don't think I they've, don't believe so. they've made their way Could there. be wrong, everybody. So um, that's the news on, on Double or Nothing. And during the show, we'll get into the announcements about uh, they have plotted out matches over the next several weeks that we'll get into. Raw on Monday night, it was down 10% this week. This was following last week's show coming off the Rumble. 2,168,000 viewers. Uh, they were down... Uh, double digits in almost all of their key demos, down 12% among 18 to 49. Uh, they were hit among uh, people 25 to 54, down 16.5%. So uh, a big decrease in the audience this week. The one that held up the best was females, 12 to 34, that only had a 3% drop. But the majority, um, it was double-digit drops this week. And I don't know if it is just simply... I, I would think for, for Monday night, it the big... The big viewership, it was on the cable news outlets that were following uh, the Iowa, well, the delayed Iowa caucuses. Have you been following that? No. What a, what a shit show that's been. Um, but yeah, not not a great number for Raw in Mania season when football's gone. It's in the uh, the rearview mirror. And I think you're. it's at a time when I feel the program has momentum at the moment. I think mm-hmm. like a lot of, they're, they're doing a lot of stuff building towards Mania. I'm feeling some... Uh, characters getting heated up um so i would would, this was a disappointing number because i don't think it should have been down 10 percent this week quality of the show has increased compared to i suppose last year when it was really bad but um perhaps still not enough to get people to tune in yeah we'll see i guess when they make a big deal out of edges next return because that's kind of the big thing they have to play at the moment didn't mean much though when he showed up last week wasn't a huge post rumble raw yeah and that was that was a big deal coming out of the rumble. And yeah, it was not necessarily reflected in the number. Um, WWE has confirmed the signings of killer cross and Timothy Thatcher. Uh, we had Timothy Thatcher. It was reported by squared circle sirens, uh, early on Tuesday, and then they announced it on WWE backstage along with the addition of killer cross, who I guess had been, been rumored to be coming in. Uh, both have reported to the performance center and, I guess two interesting cases as well. Timothy Thatcher is one of those names that you pro, you know, he had just never shown much of an interest in going to WWE. Mm-hmm. He is 36 now. Um, I don't know what he is necessarily looking for in his career, but 
you know, for some performers, when they get to a certain age, it's, well, if I, if I've got an attractive offer, now's the time to go with killer cross. He's going to be a very intriguing one to see where is this guy in six to eight months, because he has enormous potential, um, but also 34, like he got into this late. So um, time is not necessarily, you know, you don't want to be one of those guys just stuck at the PC for six months getting hey, on the TV. 34 is not that old. Come on. Well, we're 35. Well, we're old. <laughs> yeah, we don't have so. much time left either. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say two two signings that I think elicited a pr- pretty big reactions online. Um, I think Killer Cross to me was was expected. You know, if it wasn't WWE, would have been AEW. But um, with his girlfriend being in NXT, I think this one made more sense. And I see big things for him. I think he fits really well within that system. He's got the size for it. In NXT, he's already going to clearly stand out. But he's somebody who I could see Vince McMahon really liking on the main roster. Good good promo, good character stuff. So um, I think think they'll push him really hard. My my concern about Cross, and maybe it's just... He is someone that you can see he's been hands on with like his promos, uh, videos and putting that out. Mm -hmm. And now you kind of take a hands off approach and it's left to the company at that point. I would say less so in NXT. Like if he's working with that performance center crew, I think if they they've seen his previous stuff, if they know why they're hiring this guy, I feel like he would have a decent amount of like, you know, it's a good point. It's not analogous to Matt Hardy on the main roster where Matt Hardy comes in and you know, we we saw how he struggled, I think, to get his ideas across. Um, I think Killer Cross, he's a very smart guy, a great promo. Like, he should be a success wherever he goes. So uh, I, I really hope this is a great break for him. He had a very frustrating 2019. So mm-hmm. this is a fresh start for him. A bigger surprise was Timothy Thatcher for me. I mean, he wasn't really a name that I even thought was on their radar. But at this point, I, I suppose everybody's on their radar. Uh, but, you know, given the age, I think given the wrestling style, uh, this one to me seems like, like it might be a, a bit more of a tougher fit if we're talking about just a, a pure transition to uh, the main roster. But, you know, if if he's a name for that, that was really just kind of like brought in for either NXT or the more likely scenario I actually see is him doing something with Imperium and NXT UK. Um, they weren't shy about, or at least uh, Ryan Satin in that segment wasn't shy about, in fact, calling him like former or member of the original Imperium. Yeah, like ring, that. ring conf did not get mentioned. <laughs> no. Um, so I could see him working with Walter and maybe bolstering that NXT UK brand. Yeah, which, I mean... That's, it's a spot. That is what it means. I mean, you nobody, you might be able to see him maybe once a month, um, but I don't know. I could see them certainly like you know looking to acquire new names though to make that NXT UK show a little bit more important. Well, now that they're on, they they at least have an outlet. They're on on Paramount Network over there and BT Sport. That it's it would seem like it's more of a priority now. But I would say you know if you're Timothy Thatcher, I think listen, all guys have to look at it like once you're 36 and you're starting to look at. What's, you know, uh, you're probably starting to experience that wear and tear. This is a guy who who has been wrestling 15 years and you look at it that, okay, am I going to be as creatively fulfilled here? Maybe not, but this is a chance to at least make some good money as a guy that, you know, probably hasn't been banking a retirement based on mm-hmm. 15 years of working on the independence. So, you know, guys are going to reach that point in their career and WWE becomes a nice option at that time in your career. So we'll see what the future holds for Timothy Thatcher. He's a guy, I he's always been a divisive figure among fans. I've always been a big fan of his. Um, 
I really like that style of his qu- quite a bit. Uh, it's to me one of the toughest styles to imagine uh, acclimating well to WWE, but mm-hmm. I think it is being in NXT or NXT UK. I think you can acclimate more so than if this guy. Uh, I wouldn't give this guy a prayer if he were showing up on SmackDown or something. But um, you know yeah. the the jury is out on where Timothy Thatcher lands here. Uh, I wanted to talk a bit about ESPN Plus because uh, Disney held the, um, they had their updated uh, reporting figures for uh, Disney Plus and by extension ESPN Plus. And these are some unbelievable statistics here that they have released. So at the end of 2018, ESPN Plus was at 1.4 million subscribers. By the end of 2019, they were at 6.6 and they since updated that on their um conference call that by as of this past monday they're up to 7.6 million subscribers and attribute 500,000 new subscribers signing up for UFC 246 wow. with Conor McGregor and Donald Cerrone Damn. which has broken the all-time streaming record where they said that card got approximately 1 million buys, uh, beating out the Logan Paul KSI fight, uh, which was on YouTube, for much less. That was like a $10 fight. This, you had to spend... I know on ESPN Plus, they were doing the free trial. You could get a free trial for a week, uh, and I think that's still in place. We don't get ESPN Plus in Canada. But then you have to spend $65 on top of that as well. So... It's a major commitment. Like this was, um, Dave Meltzer, the whole breakdown of the figures on MMA fighting, like just from the ESPN plus portion, that's $70 million that's, of revenue. Wow. That's incredible. For a million buys <sighs> in a universe of 7.6 million. Like that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, tells you the importance of Conor McGregor still to this day, you know, uh, I mean, like the he rec- is the golden child the on record ESPN+. Plus. Ha- I guess the record has to be somewhat strong, but like even if it's not a perfect record, it really does not matter with the guy of this level of star power. Um, he would like, is he the Mandalorian of ESPN plus? Um, I mean, they're hoping he's going to he be the baby Yoda of ESPN. Plus? Is, I don't know if he is the baby Yoda, but they're hoping that he's going to be an episodic series in 2020 what? and not just a, yes. a stand-up special. That's right. Yes. Yeah, no, it's um and his stand up looked very good in the <laughs> fight actually. Excellent. Yeah, uh I I mean, you know, the ESPN deal I, I suppose had, uh with with UFC is at this point clearly working out. Like think about that that had had UFC done two buys for this pay-per-view. They're still getting a gigantic amount every month from ESPN. Mm-hmm. We don't know what that figure is, but they're getting a set amount anyway. Yeah. And then they're doing on top of this like they these two sides have to be just like in love with one another. For the and, like and, UFC and, is is building ESPN Plus. It's not the only factor. The bundling with um Disney Plus yeah. and Hulu greatly greatly helped sure. ESPN Plus, but UFC is definitely assisting. Um and I think if you're Conor McGregor, you're seeing these numbers and you're, you know, it's red, red panty night again because you have that much more power, that much more proof. Uh, behind uh, behind anything that you want. Well, now that you've done this number, it's interesting because you know we were talking about the fact that with this guaranteed revenue, UFC isn't at the mercy of Conor McGregor. Like it's nice to have this, but we don't need it. Now that you post this, mm-hmm. that expectation is there. Oh, the next yeah. time Conor fights, mm-hmm. and Conor's going to want his slice of the pie. Seeing these stats, when he fought Khabib, 
which did 2.4 million buys. That was uh, of that 2.4 million, 500,000 were streaming buys. This one, a million streaming buys. So just look at how that has changed. So at that point, that this that was pre ESPN Plus. Okay, right. That was when they were on regular pay per view. Yeah, this is when you had to stream in the U.S. Yes, yeah. So and that that figure that's not including like what we had to pay in Canada or anywhere else that offered this on traditional pay per view. So. Just an, a monstrous, monstrous fight for UFC 246, which I really don't sense for UFC 247 this weekend with John Jones and Dominic Reyes and Valentina Shevchenko and Caitlin Chukagi. Who would you say is next in line to potentially reach that level? Oh, to, at this level, it's nobody on the horizon. I mean, I'm interested to see what Nurmagomedov does with Tony Ferguson because Nurmagomedov has been, I mean, he. He was part of that huge fight with Conor McGregor, but it's not like you heard big things about his fight with Dustin Poirier in September, which was an ESPN Plus fight. Um, I think he does do business, but nothing in this realm. I'm thinking you're you're looking at at Conor's next opponent, and beyond that, like Jorge Masvidal is not doing this with Kamaru Usman. I don't think that Masvidal and Nate Diaz, like they were on ESPN Plus. I mean, we didn't hear. Like I, I think it's it, Connor is the only one that's going to be doing this. Got to get level. Logan Paul in the UFC. Hey man, there. Uh, he could end up in Bellator. It's possible. Seriously, it's um, what? it's it's both him and his brother that are like fighting now. Jesus it's, Christ, that's kind of Dazone's like um model that they're going around like the celebrity boxing gimmick. So huge numbers here that they did for that. Um, Ring of Honor has had it's added this huge match to Supercard of Honor. Um, it's going to be for their six-man tag titles with the champions Bandito, Flamita, and Ray Orus versus Will Ospreay, Amazing Red, and Rocky Romero. No way. Wow. That's a hell of a six-man right there. So much for that retirement, hey? <laughs> Amazing <laughs> Red. I mean, Every week, this More guy. now than ever. Yeah. Good for him. He, really if you happy. remember last year's WrestleMania in New Jersey, he pulled out ahead of WrestleMania week where he was scheduled to wrestle for House of Glory, stating, like, my neck is damaged. I'm just, I'm not even doing WrestleMania week. And now look at this. It's, like, been his revival. I mean. That's great. If the bookings are coming, good for Mm -hmm. this guy. I'm glad that he's getting paydays now. So that's that's a huge match for Supercard of Honor. And the last big one, we have a return date way. Total Bellas. It's moving from Sundays to Thursdays. Returning April 9th, right after WrestleMania. I like it. I'm a big fan of this move. Thursdays, uh, for me at least, is a, is a wrestling-free evening. So I can slot this in perfectly into my schedule. Do um, Last year, uh, Total Bellas, on Sunday nights, they were doing 436,000 viewers on that season. Uh, the, the Miz and Misses we got to see last week following NXT... Uh, their audience plummeted, mm-hmm. not following SmackDown on Tuesdays. Yeah. So, it, and it was interesting tonight. NXT did have an overrun of like six or seven minutes hmm. going into Miz and Misses, and I wonder if part of that was to boost up the Miz and Misses number because last week we got no overrun. Yeah, um, could be that, or do you think it could be you know at that at this point one you know po- maybe trying one, to help both wanting to, to help NXT yeah you know compete a bit more than maybe you know worrying about the Miz and Misses. Who knows. Uh, but, you know, Total Bellas, I don't think has really been uh, at any point piggybacked off of like uh, WWE programming anyway. Uh, but, you know, if you're jumping from pl- place to place, that might always have an effect. Um, I I do feel like there will be added interest for this season, given all the news that's come out recently about the Bellas, 
uh, both getting pregnant at the same time. By the way, the Bella's podcast that came out this week, the two of them detail exactly what's going on. And cameras were following everything. So this season coming How up. How intrusive. <laughs> you know, at the same time, though, like the way they, they describe it, um, they choose to document their themselves for, for the public, obviously because it's their business, but also because they sense a lot of people, a lot of their fans relating to the stories that they present. And I'm one of the people that that finds a lot of their personal lives very interesting. Uh, Bree teases that uh, he, her, she and Brian will be perhaps going through some marital issues uh, this season and getting <laughs> well, into that. What a tease. Coming up. Me and my husband are probably <laughs> going to have some problems. If you read the preview of this thing, I mean, you'll know that that's going to happen. Uh, obviously, Artem proposes to, to Nikki Bella. And then at the end of the season, the both of them find out they're pregnant. So it's going to be a, a big ride, I feel. I can see the Bellas getting so much uh, mainstream attention in the lead up to the season premiere because mm. it's such a like daytime interview segment topic the bella twins are oh, yeah. both pregnant oh my god like i would say every talk show is going to want to have them on together to mm. promote their season so that level of buzz i think will contribute to at the very least steady ratings this season uh if not maybe even a slight boost total bellas does way better than total divas mm. especially since total divas like crashed no, in the, the last season the bellas are the stars yeah of the whole franchise clearly yeah. all right um and just uh, coming out of NXT tonight, we do have Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic added to take over Portland. So that show is nuts. Mm-hmm. With the now they have, I guess it's six matches they have announced. Yeah, I believe. And uh, Velveteen Dream also back on right. Wednesday's episode as well. They did not close the show with Charlotte. She was put in. I think it was somewhere in the second hour. I wasn't watching oh, really? NXT, but it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't the show closer or the show opener either. Hmm. Um, Matt Riddle had. One of the funniest promos this year. How did you already watch NXT? I watched uh, every week. I watched uh, the first half hour of NXT and then I start AEW. Oh, so I usually catch the first half hour. Oh, interesting. Yes, but it's a good technique. If if Braden and Davey did not label their show, how many fish could Bobby Fish fry? If Bobby Fish (laughs) could fry fish, then they really failed at the name naming conventions. What did you think about my name tonight for our show? I have not seen it yet. I did two. One was good and one was just, Okay, let me take a look. One here. was the main angle. I had to uh, use. So we got Rwanda Dynamite for tonight. Then the title. Lash equals cash. It kind of sucks. Brit's boot canal. <laughs> I was really proud of the second one. No, the second one's really good. I was trying for a Lash LaRue <laughs> pun, yeah. but it just it didn't come. I don't really like the first one, but I figured the main angle we had to have it in the title. You do great. You can change it. If no. people see a different name, that's because we deemed it perfect. inappropriate. All right, let's get into the show from Huntsville, Alabama. This crowd was amazing. Yes, they were. This was one of the hotter crowds I think AEW has had. You know, they're always hot. They are, Honestly. but this was an extra level. I thought Huntsville was awesome. Just an awesome, awesome crowd at the Vaughn Braun Center, which for a trivia note... The home of the very first NWA TNA pay-per-view in June of 2002. The Von Braun Center. That is a very interesting trivia note. And then they uh, never went back. Um, Also, were you watching on TSN? Yes, I I was. A lot of XFL ads. They were were promoting them during all the breaks that TSN is going to be carrying the games this weekend. Mm -hmm. And I guess are carrying them throughout the season. Really the only type of... Buzz, I've heard about the XFL at all. I'm kind of, I'm probably going to watch some of it this weekend. I'm kind of curious to watch the XFL. I won't really have time, but I'll, I'll be curious to know perhaps what 
what uh, Vince McMahon elements might be on. You know? Probably zero. Yeah, you think so, eh? We didn't talk about that Monday. Did it surprise you? Not a mention on Raw. Um, at this point, not really. You know, the fact that I think um, this entire lead up, there, there's been zero mention. I How mean, about Friday, given it's on Fox, who are carrying games? Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess that, that will be interesting. But how much of it do you think is them being, you know, extra cautious given like there's a there's a lawsuit going on? I'm surprised that they would have nothing. I It could very well be that they're just scared off by having any association with it. But mm-hmm. it's it's just surprising to me that. We got nothing, mm-hmm. and I would be I would be surprised if Fox doesn't because on Fox there's a vested interest, unlike USA Network, right. that I would expect something. You would you would have still expected it last week though. Nothing last week either. You know what I think was a big miss on WWE and Fox's part is that during the Super Bowl there were mentions of SmackDown. To me, they should have promoted Bill Goldberg, like have something to target people with. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's the most well-known name. But for an audience that maybe yeah. is very lapsed, Bill Goldberg returning on this week's show on Fox, it's a hook that beyond just saying, hey, SmackDown's on every Friday night. When he said this Friday, the legendary Bill Goldberg is sure. on SmackDown. I think that would have been the time to really promote that instead of waiting till the next night on Raw. Yeah, I didn't really see the integration on SmackDown. I mean, I, I know like uh, Sasha, Roman were on. Maybe they wanted to promote their own guys. Yeah, they were on the pregame. I just thought, like, if you knew that's coming up, like, there's a name that, you know, for an audience member who maybe has not watched wrestling in, you know, mm-hmm. a generation, that's a, that's one of the few names, and you've got them on Friday. So, into Wednesday night's show, and John Moxley starts off the show coming through the crowd, and he has upgraded his eye patch in preparation for his Minoru Suzuki match this weekend. He clearly uh, took to heart his problems over the weekend at the New Beginning shows. And this looks like a much better a patch to work with. This weekend was a good test run for John Moxley and his eye patch. Yep. Um, Maybe that's why he agreed to these tag matches to try it out. <laughs> I don't know if he foresaw it, but, you know. Uh, it, it, clearly, he was, foresight was a problem. <laughs> that's right. Uh, you know, this new eye patch is almost like... It's almost like he's wearing like a thong on his head. Um, it's probably less intrusive. You would hope so. I hope so. You and know? it's amazing that Santana was able to find the exact same one later in the night. His was, I would say, more, I think, a bandage. Wasn't they it? looked the same. To yeah? Me. Okay. Uh, but, you know, I didn't know if Moxley was going to be on this show, given that he's he's going to be in J- Japan two weekends in a row. But... You know, we, we said that. They did advertise this match last week, and we totally blanked on it. They did? Yeah, they did announce oh. this match last week. Well, nonetheless, I, I mean, the dude flying back and forth, probably with that fucking eye patch on the whole time. I bet this guy does wear it on the airplane, too. I bet you he does, too. Uh, and I'm sure he's loving every second of it. Like, this, this seem, he just seems to be having the, the most fun of his entire career right now. So it's John Moxley and Ortiz. John Moxley was so over with this crowd. And then the inner circle comes out and Jericho joins commentary. And again, I really enjoy Jim Ross with Chris Jericho. Um, I, I think they, they really bring out the best in one another. Um, Jericho has also got a Le Champion bandana around his neck. After wearing the Puerto Rican flag last week, he's got... They, they just, just merchandise. Dude, Jericho everything. just sees dollar signs oh on everything. God. He is the Gene Simmons of professional wrestling at this mm-hmm. point. And crowd again sings his song. What did you think about their ability to keep up? You know, I would say this week at least a number of fans memorized all the lyrics to the song. And the camera made sure to focus on every single one of them. All three of them who at least the camera was able to catch knew every single word. I would say it was pretty audible. But um, 
you know, it's not like they were really forcing it either. I think if it happens, it happens organically. If it doesn't, then let it be. Jim Ross compared Ortiz to Pampero Furpo, which was awesome. Um, the referee got distracted uh, where Santana tripped up Moxley. And Jericho is adding the information that this is not a gimmick. Santana and Ortiz are real street thugs. And the crowd is chanting, Ortiz sucks. Uh, Ortiz rubs his forearm into Moxley's injured eye. Uh, Ortiz did a dive through the ropes. And Jericho is saying, I brought Moxley to AEW. I should have let him languish. And Ortiz runs into Santana, paradigm shift, place goes nuts, and he catches him and wins in 746. Jericho is furious, and then Santana goes to attack him. He gets hit with the paradigm shift. Everyone's chanting Moxley, and Moxley pulls out the car keys that he's been holding on to, and he yells, an eye for an eye, and he stabs Santana in the eye. Jericho is losing it. Moxley leaves through the crowd. They were red hot as the inner circle then tends to the uh, the one-eyed Santana. Mm-hmm. Great start to the show. Great start to the show. I mean, the match itself I, I, I thought was good, um, but I thought it was absolutely elevated because of how great this crowd was. Yes. This was a crowd that, like... I mean, Moxley, I think in general, feels like he's a babyface that is truly loved by every audience that he's in front of, at least with AEW. You know, he's not somebody that the company is trying to force down people's throats. It's a completely deserved push, and he's getting a completely deserved reaction. Like, it it absolutely is working so well. I thought Ortiz was really good here, too. He's very charismatic. His wrestling style is very entertaining. I think he's, like, kind of quietly becoming, like, a standout performer, at least on the heel side of things. I like the angle at the end a lot. Um, This could have just been, like, you know, a match. Like, John Moxley beats Ortiz, and then you move on to the next week. But the fact that they had an angle coming out of it with Moxley taking the Santana's eye out at least leaving some sort of lasting effect on the characters rewards me for investing my time into the program. You know, now next time I tune into the show, I know why Santana will have an eye patch. Uh, I, I, it, it almost made this episode required viewing if you wanted the full story. Yeah. And it seems like they're having Moxley go through each one, which would mean probably a Jake Hager match before revolution. You think so? Wow. I mean, he, and do you think he faced Guevara, but do you think he beats Hager though? Like, I, I no, I think they'll protect him. Um, I don't know. I don't know, though. Hmm. I mean, Moxley is the guy going to challenge for the title. But um, the fact that they have protected Hager so much, I think that's a match that does mean something now that you could do in Atlanta or the go-home week. I, I would do that in Atlanta. I actually. almost feel like you save Hager for afterwards. Cause they could. so well protected. Jericho has taken pinfall losses, but Hager hasn't. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, yeah. next week is – he's gone through the other ones with mm-hmm. the exception of Hager and Santana next week. The Best Friends versus Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian. They have these new foam thumbs for Orange Cassidy, which are brilliant. Early contender for Best Merch of 2020. Unless Matt Riddle puts out a shirt for the Bobby Fish tongue twister. (laughs) That will top the thumbs, I think. Because it's... Yes. Matt Riddle would have got called to the assembly if he had that tongue twister to present. (laughs) I haven't seen NXT yet, so... You have to watch this. Dude, you'll howl. Is the fact that Matt Riddle is the person saying this? Dude, he got the crowd to chant it. Oh, my goodness. It was awesome. It was really good. Okay. Uh, Kazarian and Trent are lighting each other up with chops. We go to the floor, and it's a sequence of everyone getting knocked down after... uh, Trent gets thrown into the guardrail, spears down Scorpio Sky, Kazarian hits a German, a lot of German suplexes on the floor tonight, and then uh, 
Chucky with a neck breaker. So as all four men are down, Orange Cassidy just walks by the bodies and he lays down to send us to commercial. And then we had uh, Trent selling his neck. They're the best friends hit a soul food half and half combination to Kazarian and they hug for the huge pop, except for Jim Ross, who was not approving of this hug in the middle of the match. Strong Zero gets stopped by Scorpio Sky and Kazarian then executes a code red after Scorpio Sky hits a running kick to Trent setting up the move and Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian get the fall and Jim Ross blames it on that mid-match hug. Toss them the match and SCU get the win and well, we'll see what that sets up for them later on. Good match, I thought. Crowd was much more responsive to this week's SCU match than their match with the Hyper 2 last week. And I think that that just tells you maybe how valuable and how over the best friends are right now. Um, Even though they don't get many wins, but it's an overact. The act is over. And I mean, especially Orange Cassidy, who, you know, um, like Cassidy still just kind of continues to play this sort of I don't even want to call him a manager, but like he's just around the ringside and he gets his spots in. They haven't overexposed him yet. And I feel like that's really good for him because I feel like we all recognize that there might be a shelf life to a gimmick like this if you put him front and center, main eventing, you know, every single week or something like that. Um, whether it's deliberate or not, I think them holding him back is a really good thing. He's satisfying at this level, you know. I don't necessarily see like we're gonna see if the, the internet went crazy when they when Janela announced like his match against Suzuki but that's like a a one off special event thing i think for an AEW TV show and an AEW audience he's at the right level right now and i think when when the time comes for him to actually be in a program then you do it organically what is going to be the better match Suzuki and Orange Cassidy or Suzuki and John Moxley on the weekend man i'm looking forward to both of them so much they're so different they're so wildly different um i think if you're looking for a hard hitting you know um like strong style type of match. I mean, Cassidy, orange Cassidy, of course. Yeah. <laughs> the dark order run in, they attack all four people and then they line up and orange Cassidy stands up behind them as the crowd chants freshly squeezed. And he is offered a mask to join the dark order. And he just puts his hands in the air and into the pocket and they jump him. And this leads to Christopher Daniels running back. The Dark Order just backs off, and Daniels is challenging them to come after him. I mean, they're playing it very over the top that I think everyone is expecting Daniels to join them, that maybe that's going to be the swerve, that he's Mm -hmm. not joining them. Because this was so overt that it just seems too much. It, It was exactly like, you know, like the Ruby Riot angle. Like, you're waiting for Daniels to turn on Cassidy at when he came out here. But, Sorry, I'm picturing Liv Morgan now as Orange Cassidy, like the female version. <laughs> right. But, you know, um, I think they, they're they playing sort of with, with that psychology a lot. Um, it, it maybe – it seems like it's it's operating on, on a more deeper level, I suppose, uh, with more of a uh, – Whose contract is up? This is very much a, seg- uh, a huh? storyline in flux of who's going to be the exalted one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, actually. Who knows at this point? What do you think? Rebbe was, like, tweeting stuff out tonight about, um, like, she tweeted. Yeah, I I saw what she tweeted about Nancy Pelosi tearing up the the speech compared to Matt's ideas he submitted. Being torn up by by Vince or the WWE. Uh, Who knows what to expect? I mean, I think they know exactly what they're doing when they're tweeting things out. Um, I don't know what's going on. I don't know who this exalted leader is, but I can say that I'm interested. You are. You know, okay. I am. Aren't yeah. you? Uh, somewhat. It's um, 
it's not something I, I think it's like this this big angle. But I think once they get there, the reveal will be something, especially if it's someone new coming in. Like that's always a easy pop, especially mm-hmm. if it's someone of substance. Mm-hmm. Like if it's if it turns out to be Matt Hardy, that'll be a huge reaction. And if it's <laughs> I don't know. Who Luke knows? Harper. What do you think would it w- eh. would be the reception if it's Luke Harper? It'd be kind of cool, but again, I I really can't. I have less perhaps um, excitement about him as sort of this like leader to role. carry. That I don't group. think he's like a big enough star to like you know. But he'll get a big reaction. I think everybody. Honestly, at this point, if it was. Everybody wants it to be Matt Hardy. You know, if it's not Matt Hardy, it would be somewhat of a disappointment. Unless it was Manuro Suzuki. What if it was Josephus? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, they had a... So, as they're building up, the, the main event segment was going to be Cody taking the 10 lashes. So, throughout the night, we got comments from various personalities, starting with Taz, who said it's going to be uneasy to watch, and Max is taking it too far, but it validates how bad Cody wants him. And I, I like these. They did a great job of leading up to this mm-hmm. and really pushing how violent this was going to be. Like they made this feel like this was going to be uncomfortable viewing. There were only two interviews throughout the the show teasing this. And I thought it was pretty strategic who they chose to, to speak in this fashion. You had Taz here and you had Dustin. Both of them were excellent. I thought, um, both felt Dustin's one of the most underrated promos anywhere. And, but both of them, like, I think when you're talking about a gimmick like this, if you had anybody try to speak in character, talking about it, you risk, making it making them sound silly you risk the angle kind of like being treated as just sort of a wrestling angle but here you had two very obviously two very good promo guys experienced guys who were able to sound serious because like they were about to watch something that was you know really bad in dustin's case something that was about to happen to his brother that was really bad they made it sound like cody was going out into the ring to play russian roulette yeah, like that like was the that. severity, uh, uh, like that he may not come back from this. But you know, I like Taz a lot here. I I like this was not the Taz from two thousand and two on a straight to video WWE. <laughs> oh, show. I've got a belt. I'm going to lash him. <laughs> he wasn't joking about cab drivers in New York. Uh, this was a serious analytical Taz, and I've enjoyed him from what little I've seen of him on on Dark as he well. He was great in this this very brief piece as yeah. well. Britt Baker, Yuka Sakazaki. It is clear, like Baker. The audience has totally followed the turn and just mm-hmm. hated her coming out. And she's she's going around the ring making fun of fans' awesome. teeth. This was awesome. Amazing. Just analyzing people's teeth and pointing at them. So uh, uh, Yuka Sakazaki, who they mentioned, has not been there since, uh, was it the Daily's Play show? It was, it was one of the either Fighter Fest or Fight for the Fall. One yeah, the two. so she hits a seated senton off the top. And then Baker bails to the floor and Yuka Sakazaki proceeds proceeds to hit the magical girl splash, a springboard cross body to the floor. They go back into the ring. Excalibur called that one. Yes, he did. And uh, Jim Ross said. Reacted to it. Yes. Said, that's not just a splash. It's the <laughs> magical girl splash. Um, Baker in the ring hit a thrust kick, swinging neck breaker for a two count. And then she goes for the lock jaw and just pulls at the hair of Sakazaki like just like a little added heel technique here to try and set up her finish mm. but Yuka counters out of it to a crucifix and catches Baker for the pinfall a genuine surprise to the audience at 325 Sakazaki gets the win and Baker comes back in the ring with a ring bell and blasts her with it and then places her mouth onto the bottom rope like Tomohiro Ishii 
and mm-hmm. proceeds to stomp on her back and Yuka just grabs her mouth and as she comes up, it's all bloody and there's a tooth there with Baker up reapplying the lock jaw, which just looked graphic as hell. And uh, if you go back and watch this, you can see that as soon as the stomp occurs, Aubrey Edwards goes right up to Yuka to put her hands in the mouth and then they immediately cut away. So I think it was like two seconds too late that they got the cutaway because this was executed pretty well. Yeah, I think so. I thought so too. And it looked awesome. I thought it was pretty daring actually to try to do a broken teeth like angle in 2020. And I like the idea. Um, I feel like Yuka's um, selling of, like, the teeth, I don't know, it didn't completely work for me, to be honest. Like, some of it felt a little fake-looking in execution, but I thought overall it it ended up being really good. And I thought Britt Baker in this match was really good. She was very hateable, but very entertaining. And I was really surprised at how much the crowd loved Yuka Sakazaki based off of, like, those those few uh, appearances, you know? She... For whatever reason, she's got a great look. Left, the, the, the left, co- left an impression. Yeah. yeah, left an impression on this audience. So the fact that they gave her a big win here over Britt Baker suggests that she'll be sticking around. Yeah, no, I thought this came across really well. And again, Britt Baker, this has been a tremendous shift for her. The Butcher, the Blade, Pentagon Junior, and Ray Phoenix against Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and Hangman Page. Uh, if you listen to our best of show, I listed Kenny Omega's new theme uh, as my favorite theme in wrestling. Super kick party is awful. I what? I hate this theme, oh, dude. It sounds it's so goofy. Well, listen, it's it's this uh, is great for a transition on being the elite, but <laughs> for these four to come out to this no it campy song. They can't come out to anything but this. This is what they're known for. This is the song that gave birth to AEW, John. This is the thing that started it all. It's it's at this point I would say a song that just evokes great I think nostalgia almost and it it, it perfectly represents I think all the warm feelings everybody has about this group. They could come out to ACDC and it would be an upgrade. Oh my! So we get a bunch of triple team spots. So the idea here is that Kenny is working with the Bucks, but Hangman he is only out there for Kenny, and that would be the only person he would team uh, t- tag with, and was just off to his own in the corner for much of it. Uh, Matt did his Northern Lights deal to both Penta and Phoenix, and then they did a deal where Phoenix lifted Matt for a gory bomb while holding up Kenny's legs like the what's up spot with Penta coming off the turnbuckle. And we have Omega counter uh, Butcher with a Rana, and then in comes Paige. And man, did this guy get a great reception. Everyone's chanting cowboy shit. He hits a springboard springboard lariat to Phoenix on the apron, and then a Pescado. He's just running wild, and the crowd is electric. Like, he is super over to these crowds. Then the the four gang up on Nick Jackson. There's a doomsday device. Matt's save gets stopped with a destroyer out of nowhere from Phoenix. And then Omega's in to deliver snapdragons all around. And there's an assisted slice bread from Matt onto the Butcher. Butcher then decks, uh, ducks the Buckshot Lariat. And the Bucks are in to help out Hangman. And from there... Page is not going to tag the Bucks, and instead he goes it alone and ends up getting hit with a Penta driver with the foot stomp from Phoenix. Phoenix takes out Nick and Omega on the floor, allowing Pentagon Jr. to pin Hangman Page. So his selfishness cost him the match, and Excalibur points out after that Page would only tag Omega, and the elite members all argue, and Omega's trying to play Peacemaker here. Mm-hmm. 
I thought this match was great. It was really spectacular. Match of the night for me. The pace of it was insane. At one point, really, the announcers just kind of give up calling the moves because everything was just beat, 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 beat. Everybody, I thought, looked great. But the standouts for me, obviously, Hangman Page for storyline purposes. I think they continue to put that spotlight on him in this entire story, and the results are already there. He is, at this point, the most over guy, at least amongst these four in the elite right now. The story they've been telling has been simple and I think very effective. In terms of in-ring... Ray Phoenix, to me, like, stood out amongst everybody here. The guy is so fast, yet so graceful. He's absolutely incredible. I also really thought Andy Williams, as, like, the tall powerhouse amongst this crop of, like, you know, essentially cruiserweights, was used very effectively here. Yeah, I thought the the brief time he was in there with, with Paige and with, with Omega, uh, he got... He got some good focus in this match, but yeah, Phoenix is just outstanding, and he mm-hmm. doesn't. Him and Pentagon kind of just feel like they're kind of just floating around at the yeah, moment. They, they don't, don't have a story. They don't have a story, which they're going to be doing in two weeks' time. They're going to be doing the battle royal, and the winners get the tag title shot. And I would imagine it comes down to either the Bucks, if you want to do that now, mm-hmm. or Pentagon and Phoenix coming out out of this. Tonight. I do. I do wonder, like you know, if they did want to craft a story with Penta and Phoenix, how they would be able to do it. Um, I I haven't necessarily seen, I guess, the acting ability of of a Penta or Phoenix. Nor really like do I expect much in terms of a promo ability. Can they craft a story? I mean, look, they've got Riho as one of their champions, so they could probably book a story for anybody. Arn right? Anderson joins them. Oh, and, oh dressed up okay. as Pentagon. That makes sense. Yeah, full face paint. That would be. That would. And instead of the Ceramieto, he's got like the, the four. Wow. Oh man, writes itself. Yeah. So I'd be curious to see how, like, you know, it kind of is about time. Well, you know? they pin the tag champions here, even in an eight man, right. and. I have confidence that they're not just doing that to for a trivial reason. I mm. think that should be emphasized, the fact that they, they did pin Hangman here. So um, I, I could see them winning the Battle Royal and holding off on the Bucks for uh, another time. Mm. That, to me, feels early to do the Bucks match, but that is kind of... They're certainly teasing that. Mm-hmm. Tony Schiavone's in the ring after the break with Kenny Omega, and he's immediately interrupted by Pac, who is with Lexi on screen, and he is addressing Kenneth. And he is trying to get his attention. And obviously, Michael Nakazawa must mean nothing to you. Because he, he murdered this guy. Dude, I totally forgot about that. Everyone did. And like, yeah, Kenny didn't do shit about it. But he says, but does this person mean nothing to you? And we pan over and Riho is just standing there. Yeah, why, is she, why was she just standing there? She Like, nobody was stopping her from leaving. No, she was just... Uh, maybe she was super glued. Although she did move, so she wasn't super glued. Um, they, they have never explained the relationship here, which I think... I think they're just... Well, I mean, I think people know that they're friends. Like, it, Kenny's kind of got his own little side stable with Michael Nakazawa and Riho. Like, at least we've seen them backstage, you know, together. I don't know if they're, that's, they're insinuating anything more than that. Well, it's... To me, I, I think it's like a connection that the average viewer, I, I think it, it goes over their head. Sure. If they're just watching this kind of out of context. Mm-hmm. Um, he he teases that he's going to attack her, but says, I'm a bastard, not a beast, but she is. And in comes Nyla Rose to put Riho through a table. And then Rose says that Rio's ass is hers next week as we're going to get a rematch from the very first episode of Dynamite where they crowned uh, Rio as the women's champion. So that's announced for next week. And 
as well, next week we'll have Omega and Page against Kazarian and Sky for the tag titles in Austin, Texas. Omega and Page against Kaz and Sky. Okay. So a rematch. Yes. Uh, okay. From the boat. Cool. Yes. Uh, and also, uh, in three weeks later, they would announce a 30-minute Iron Man match between Kenny and... Yeah, they're going to do that in Kansas City, which is the go-home show for the pay-per-view. It'll be interesting to see how an Iron Man match performs on TV. Yeah, typically, they have not done well. Mm-hmm. So that's... I, to me, it's kind of like a risky match to put on mm-hmm. um, if you're trying to be competitive. Um, but you're getting a super hot match. So I think they're looking at, well... When was the last time an Iron Man match has been put on TV? This is a newer audience that is probably more uh, interested in seeing this this 30-minute match. And Indeed. probably with, like, limited interruption. Like, I'm sure they're right. going to just picture-in-picture picture that whole 30 minutes. Sure. And do you do it at the beginning or at the end of the show? I think you start off the show with it. You could. Yeah, it's a, it's a hot way to start the show. You're not competing with the NXT main event. At yeah. that point, you know, I feel like there's more curiosity. You're more likely to I wouldn't want to end the show with, with that for when you're going into the pay-per-view. Right. I want to end with like a big, either a Cody promo or a Moxley promo mm-hmm. going into the pay-per-view. Uh, then we had a video sent in by Darby Allen after his throat injury last week with the skateboard drilled into his, uh, into his larynx. And he's having trouble. He's choking in this video. And we see that cardboard cutout of Jericho and Sammy hugging one another. And the dude pulls out a flamethrower and just disintegrates this thing. This was way cooler than when Triple H did it dressed up as a, um, was it Kane? I guess. Yeah, I guess. I think so. Or Goldust. He was dressed up as one of them. Anyway, um, I, I thought this was just hilarious. I mean, clearly, this is what how this dude spent his weekend. Um, I, I think I heard him on uh, Observer Radio talking about how like these videos are just all shot with him, by him and his friends, and it's just like they're just hanging out, <laughs> shooting flamethrowers. Oh, good for in them! Their spare time. It's cool. It's great, and I and I, I think. He's really lucky to be working in a place like AEW where, like, a guy who I think is this visually minded is able to, like, do his own thing and get it broadcast on TNT. It actually kind of looked cool to watch the flamethrower explode in black and white as opposed to our, you know, what you would typically, you know, see a flame and think, oh, this should be in color. (laughs) It looked good. I thought this looked cool. It was like 10 seconds. Yeah. But um, probably Darby Allin, Sammy Guevara. Uh, whether it be the pay-per-view or something down the road, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then Kip Sabian and Joey Janela, which I, unless they announced it at some point today that I missed, this they, was unannounced. They might have announced it last week. I mean, did could, they? I could be wrong. Okay. Like, didn't feel like it was a complete surprise to me. Did you watch the intergender match from the boat no. on Dark? So on Dark this week, they aired the uh, intergender match that took place on the Jericho Cruise between Kip Sabian, Penelope Ford versus uh, uh, Kenny Omega and Riho. And the way that they, you know, because... They haven't done intergender on TNT before, and so they said that since they were on international waters, they were able to do this. And from what we know, Kenny has been wanting to do intergender matchups on AEW for quite some time, but hasn't necessarily been given the go-ahead yet. So this 
This almost to me, I mean, clearly felt like it was a test to see how the crowd would react to it, how the audience would react to it. Uh, and I guess reception on the boat was so good that they decided to air it on dark. And it's a match I absolutely would recommend. I thought it was well done. It was fun. Uh, it was, it's a match where I actually thought the Penelope Ford was was the standout, and she looked fantastic to me. Uh, the match happened. The world didn't stand still. I think I'm personally ready for this type of stuff to be on TV, but. I guess my feeling is that there still seems to be, to be quite a bit of concern about like presenting this type of wrestling for a mass audience. Yeah, I'll definitely watch it um, this week. The, it sounded like it got it a good match, great reception, and a great place to put it on as well. Like an audience that was going to really dig it, probably, and that I think probably enhanced it. You mentioned, you know, like the the lack of real kind of uh, establishing of of the Kenny Riho relationship and. This, you know, um, it's because they haven't necessarily been able to showcase what they're known for, and that's being tag team partners. So Kip Sabian and Joey Janela, um, at the beginning, they're kicking each other in the back, and then Sabian goes to a choke. Uh, Janela gets sent into the into the steps, followed by Penelope Ford bashing his head in, and Sabian's in control. They go through a break. Janela hits a dive to the floor, and then Sabian goes for a flip to the floor, gets caught, and hit with a German suplex to the floor. Back inside the ring, the crowd is chanting for Janela um, as they have this striking exchange that Ross calls bowling shoe ugly. And Ford gets onto the apron, makes out with Sabian, and then Janela runs at him. Sabian gets out of the way as Janela knocks Ford off the apron, and then Sabian capitalizes by rolling up Janela and grabbing the tights for the victory. So sacrificing Penelope to get the win. Mm-hmm. Pretty good match, I thought. I, I think I would have enjoyed it if it was just a few minutes shorter. Uh, perhaps that was also due to where we were at this point in the show. I, I think I would have just preferred a slightly tighter match. But to me, it feels like this feud continues, doesn't yep. it? Yeah. I, I, I don't sense like it's um, this hot program. It's, no, it's not. Um, it almost feels like Kip Sabian is kind of like the third wheel in this program. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's. You know, you need him for the match. He's a very necessary part. And I would say, like, this is. I mean, it's been his biggest program to date in AEW. It's. It's helping him at least establish himself. But I would say they also haven't necessarily done anything that really has like made you feel for Joey. Like you haven't necessarily. I haven't at least felt that much sympathy for him. You don't have him. the cocky, arrogant asshole who's got Penelope Ford. It's. Kip Sabian. Well, Sabian sort of like that. I don't I don't really get but, that vibe from him. But because they haven't necessarily done enough, I think, to present that sort of personality. Um, I think a lot of this is just being told to you, hey, these two used to date, and now this guy has this guy's girlfriend, and you're you're supposed to, you know, boo the the guy who stole his girlfriend. Um I don't think that's enough, you know? Even if you were just to present that story, it's like there's not enough meat there. Um, not enough, I would say. Uh, you know twisting and turning like i feel really nothing other than the fact that i like joey janela um but nothing what i'm saying is they they need a cuck angle or maybe a wedding segment maybe we're gonna get there on tv a wedding segment yes okay yeah that would work too Alex Marvez was with the inner circle in the back, and immediately he gets tossed out of the scene. Jericho calls Moxley a piece of trash for jeopardizing the life and career of Santana, who's now got his eye patch on. And Santana took the microphone. He said that he's had the worst year of his life, and he is. And Moxley has brought out a side he has never had to bring out before. 
He spoke of the past 29 years of his life being a struggle. And next week, Moxley, it's eye for an eye. What was he alluding to when he said he had the worst year of his life? I don't know. I mean, from all accounts, I, f- I feel like this would be the best year of his life. Got I mean, signed to TV. Probably joined. got the best deal of his career. Yeah. So, I, I mean, maybe something like, you know, personal happened to him that, um, like, he says, like, it's no secret. I mean, I beg to differ. I have no idea what he what he is talking about. So, I don't know. Please, please inform me, everybody, what he might be. Uh, and what exactly is an eye for an eye match, you think? Um, well, they're both down to one eye left. So, it's kind of... Eye for an eye plus an eye. Right. It's right? Really two so someone's eyes. going to be blind by the end of it. It'd be really two eyes for one eye. Maybe it's going to be... Um, um, it's a half blindfold match. Maybe I you've guess. got to read an eye chart. That's the match? Yes. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that'd be uh, exciting. Sounds like it, doesn't it? Yeah. A loser has to wear glasses. Um. We we should not be planning this uh, stipulation match, but they are, it's pretty much explained. It's a grudge match. At the very week. least, I mean, really, it's just a, a subtitle of a match. Lexi was with Hangman Page, and the Jacksons came in. They're you, upset. Do you like Lexi? Um, I don't really have like a strong read on her, positive or negative. I mean, she's like her segments are pretty much like she doesn't even do really like setup questions. She right. was just kind of like holding the microphone, right. so. Um, from what I've seen with her on, on like dark and the road twos, like she's fine. And to be honest, like for a backstage interviewer, I don't need much more than somebody to just hold the microphone to let the talent speak. Uh, so the young bucks come in, they're all pissed off at hangman and Matt insinuates that hangman's got a drinking problem and takes his beer away. And the camera stays on hangman who somehow has already got a pitcher in his other hand. Yeah. Got a lot of laughs. So people like this. I mean, they're doing a lot of like sight gags it, to, that are like really working. It was a BTE level comedy bit. I would yeah, say here. Yeah. That I thought really worked well transitioning to TNT. And uh, they warned him like this hangman is going to lose the tag titles next week with Kenny when they take on SCU. Yeah. I'm assuming you completely fast forwarded through it. But in between these two segments was a dark order video. Yep. And I don't blame you because I only realized it was a Dark Order video halfway through because this looked like just any other American drug commercial. Oh. Like, it was really well done in that sense where, like, you can't tell. It was just stock footage, uh, like a voiceover, and and complete with, like, small print on the bottom talking about, like, the Exalted One and the Elite. Uh, Really wasn't that, like, you know, a, a big thing that was much more than that. But I thought it was well done, and I would say this one a lot more subtle and... Not that corny, like some previous videos have been. Okay. Yeah, I totally missed it. So this is where they went over uh, pretty much the next couple of weeks. Um, We mentioned the Riho, Nyla Rose, and SCU Omega Page title matches for next week in Austin, Texas. Then the following week is the big show in Atlanta, which is going to have Cody versus Wardlow in the first cage match in the company's history, along with the tag team battle royal and the winners get the shot at Revolution. And then in two weeks' time, sorry, three weeks' time, on February 26th in Kansas City, it's the 30-minute Ironman match between Pac and Kenny Omega. So I really like this idea of just lining up stuff Mm -hmm. for several weeks. It's like you've got 
they've been building this Cody Wardlow thing for a month by the time they get there. And it's just like this, this 30 minute Ironman match. It's like three weeks to promote it. I think this is a really just very simple, but very effective and smart way to promote your TV. And you know, like there's one, at least one big thing each week that you have to look forward to. If you're AEW, you're only putting on what, like five pay-per-views a year. You kind of have to make these. I mean, every single TV show for them almost becomes like a little pay-per-view. And I think they've seen success in like, you know, making special themed events, making every single edition of Dynamite seem somewhat unique and special. Certainly they have to do this because they have to sell tickets now for every every event or every city. Uh, and it's it, it marks a change in philosophy, I suppose, from what you typically get on the other channel uh, with the other company. And I would say it's worked out really well for them. Uh, they also plugged Double or Nothing and tickets going on sale. And then we heard from Dustin Rhodes, who spoke about the 10 lashes tonight. And he tells MJF that Cody is a lot tougher than you think. And everyone is behind Cody. He's able to just speak with so much conviction. And really, he didn't even have to say a word because just the look on his face. By the way, he didn't have any makeup on. So it was just like, you know, 50, how old is he? 50? 50, 50-something? 50 yeah. Year 50. old Dustin Rhodes. All these wrinkles on his face. Bags under his eyes. Just like... The perfect look, I think, for a concerned brother uh, with just this, like, grave, serious look of concern. It just – him staring at the camera made you want to pay attention. So I, just, I think he's so good. MJF and Wardlow came out for the final segment. And MJF, he's just got so much charisma. Just the way he walks to the ring. Mm-hmm. Cody is out, and he removes his shirt. And MJF wants to use Cody's belt. And then the crowd starts chanting, asshole. As the censoring begins. It wasn't too bad tonight other than this. Yeah. Uh, Bryce Remsburg is there in the ring to properly count the number of lashes. Make sure we don't get any any miscount. Uh, so MJF starts to whip him. Yeah, I, I like the fact that they had an official there. You know, it made this seem like it was an actual... They like, created they, an amazing amount of like... This was a like match. a tense feeling. Of, this, like yeah. this felt, this was like their uncut gems. They were designing well, this to make you uncomfortable. You know, the, a, a whipping scene in movies it's, is is not like a, 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 a new thing. Like, I mean, this was like, I guess, like a passion of the Christ type of thing, really. Uh, all the, uh, the heels are coming out, led by Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny. Uh, MJF starts taunting him. And is trying to get Cody to hit him when he can't. Like, MJF was awesome here. Mm. After three lashes, Cody goes down to a knee. And Arn Anderson runs down. And he tells Cody not to give him the satisfaction of showing that it hurts. Man, Arn was total babyface oh, here. he was great. Like, he was awesome. Yeah, didn't see any indication of anything else. MJF is demanding that Cody quit. And therefore wouldn't be able to have the match. Uh, after he goes down after the fourth and Cody, like just the performance of a lifetime here of how he is selling these these whippings. Each one is like a gunshot that he is taking. The, after, the red starting to show on his back. Yeah, totally. After the fifth, Dustin comes down. He's willing to take the final five lashes. I mean, this was just building yeah. the drama and the emotion of this. MJF says, that's not how this works. And Dustin just tells Cody, I love you. No one is tougher than you. He takes another one. The young bucks are out and they're encouraging him. He's got three lashes left and they're just trying to get Cody to be able to take three more. And then this nightmare is over. And then Wardlow volunteers to deliver one of the lashes. And he just brutalizes Cody with his after nine lashes 
Brandy comes out totally out of her um, uh, American what uh, the nightmare collective nightmare yeah. collective character she is just playing herself here we, she's in tears yeah we should mention um over the course of the past couple of weeks on the road to and also i guess on dark they've had brandy go through those psychiatry sessions which end up being her talking to herself and this past week she had a session where um i guess she was I forget, like, the, the the result really was kind of inconclusive, but, like, I suppose it was almost like she was starting to doubt this whole Nightmare Collective thing. And beyond that, um, Mel and Luther turned on Awesome Kong. Yeah, so, and kind of wrote her out. So she's out of, seemingly, right now, at the Nightmare Collective. So the status of the Nightmare Collective, I suppose, is, is somewhat in question, which I guess resulted in this. So she is just pleading with him, just take one more, you can do it. And everyone is rallying behind Cody as he just gets to his feet with every fiber of his being. And he gets whipped across the chest. And then after he absorbs all 10, MJF kicks him in the balls and him and Wardlow hightail it through the crowd. And Cody is left into the in the ring. His music plays and they go off where the announcers just look like they have just watched a man brutalized here. This was one of the best segments dynamite has ever had oh yeah i completely this was agree amazing i completely agree hey but before we get on to the finish like did you see like somebody was attacking mjf and wardlow when they were up at the top of the ramp as the show went off air one of the fans i don't know because oh. they didn't really call attention to it it was just like somebody in the background attacking him so i don't know what happened might have been a fan might have been i don't know uh, some somebody else it was a little bit weird to go off air that way but i, I didn't know if you saw i I, I missed that part it yeah. doesn't sound like that would have been part of the yeah they would have called attention to it and doesn't really make sense angle was yeah, so that was a little bit strange but anyway onto the angle itself when they announced this i was absolutely confident that they were going to do a good job you know just seeing everything that cody has done cody has just been like he's been everybody's kind of got their own style all of the executive producers have their own style like the bucks have a pwg style thing that they're trying to do for the tech team division moxley is like you know hardcore uh and cody's is making money <laughs> it's making money but it's also bringing back old school american professional wrestling stuff that has i think is heavily emotional like yeah. an element of wrestling that there needs to be more of like In that feeling of just wanting to see the baby like, face prevail if his dad was a performer today what would professional wrestling look like and i think this is one of those things i was absolutely confident that he would do a good job but i wasn't necessarily sure how well it would have worked with the modern audi audience who i think at this point like when they announced this you knew by the end of it you're supposed to feel sympathy for cody and with that I think a modern type of level of skepticism, how much were they going to be able to like hook the crowd to actually feel sympathy for Cody? It could have been a very flat reaction, but I thought this worked really well. You know, no matter, I think what your expectations are for the segment after the first couple lashes, like the tone immediately kind of went from like, you know, Oh my God. Yeah. We're supposed to cheer to like actual serious concern, you know, like, because you can't fake that type of pain. And I thought Cody selling was just just an example of like great acting that you rarely see in professional wrestling. And MJF as this like slave driver. He was amazing. Like was fucking awesome. You know, like this felt like it was a movie. It was a really well scripted angle. Every level came with like some interesting event that accompanied it. Every, you know, in, until by the end, it just kept building and building and building until you had this like really violent scene with Cody's entire family looking at him, cheering him on. Um, 
I wasn't there for like, you know, the Tommy Dreamer ECW thing, nor really anything similar to this, unless you count like Daniel Bryan <laughs> taking lashings. He just did the whole strap match. Oh, this was way better than that. I'm t- that, yeah, oh I'm just God. saying like of ones you're going to compare to. See, I recently. wouldn't even I wouldn't even compare like those two. This was like a different league. Uh, I was going to say Shane McMahon's balls getting shocked, but <laughs> that's that's very different. Yeah, what an emotional <laughs> angle that was. <laughs> I think the closest thing, I guess, maybe to like you know the professional wrestling that I might have been alive for would would be the Tommy Dreamer ECW thing. They did this with Flip Gordon not all that long. Oh ago, yeah, you're but right. Not many people saw that. Although yeah. the photo afterwards is just it's brutal. His sure, back afterwards. Sure. Uh, but I, I certainly give them credit for attempting this on a big stage in 2020, and I absolutely applaud Cody and MJF's performances. They're this fantastic. was amazing. I, th- I think this was one of the best se- of like non-wrestling segments. Yep, I, I think it's the best one AEW's done. Yeah, at this point, I'm trying to like think of like I go back to that first promo with the inner circle yep. where Jericho gets everyone over. That one was pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, th- I think this was even better. I, I thought this this was one of the best segments. Like that we'll be talking about at the end of the year in terms of like angle or segment of the yeah. year. I, I just thought this was outstanding. I think it's been like a good couple of weeks for angles like this between this and I think Orton Edge with both of which I think you had, you know, very high caliber acting performances from Cody and also from from Orton. I really liked Dynamite tonight. You know, I think I think you had solid wrestling throughout the show. Great showcase for John Moxley at the beginning and a really strong main event angle. Yeah, it was uh it was tremendous to to the point that if you're not putting the title on Moxley, I think you can make this the main event. Like that's how big they, Mox, they uh, Cody, Cody and, and MJF. I think you, right. I think they will close with Jericho and Moxley. Yeah, but I wouldn't be compl- like this to me feels just as big as mm-hmm. the title match. Like those two matches on one show, I think is enough to carry. Those the whole are your thing. big money matches yeah. for the the pay per view. It's mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting. What if because we saw with. Um, full gear like they didn't really boost the pay-per-view number from what they had been doing pre tnt mm-hmm. and with that many more weeks and months of television and some big angles and i'm sure they're gonna have some dynamite promos pardon the pun in the next couple of weeks leading into it how many more weeks we got three episodes to okay. go so okay still a lot to do cool like this almost felt like an angle that you used to peak you know like to 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 put on the go home show, but yeah, I'm curious to see like next week. Maybe you'll just get the reveal of Cody's back, you know, like with a week to marinate those wounds. Yeah, don't blow that on Instagram. Yeah, make I people tune in for that. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, that reveal is going to be crazy. The promos will be amazing next week. I like the show a lot tonight. I, yeah. I I enjoyed it. There was like a wide variety of stuff. The uh, the eight man was very solid, um, very eventful. Unlike last week, which I I largely considered skippable. This week, I thought there were a lot of angles you really had to see in order to carry on the storylines. Yeah, and you know we talked about like the main event going in this week was the the ten lashes mm-hmm. and putting like a non wrestling segment in that main event, and I think I think it was a great idea. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was big. All right, we go on over to the forum, and tonight, did you people agree or disagree? Tonight, How many lashes out of 10? 6.63. That's not that high. Actually, pretty low for yeah. Dynamite. Interesting. Well, let's see what the uh, everyone has to say. Paul from New Jersey. Although she may not be an in-ring magician, I very much enjoyed the heel work of Dr. Britt Baker. Always nice to see a Riho sighting once in a while. Good show, but something is missing for me, and I can't quite put my finger on it. Six and a half. He's, <laughs> he's also got an episode title suggestion. Eyes and lashes. Okay, I, I get it. 
All right, we got a, <laughs> we've already got a title, Paul. Don't you dare step on John Pollock's Eyes and lashes territory. is not bad, though. Hagaki says, not too sure what to think of the ending yet, other than it looked painful. Brit's match and ending was good. I like the direction they are going with her. Dark Order still has me intrigued, mostly because of the high potential for surprises. In case you didn't watch AEW+, the commentary really seems like they're having fun, especially during commercials, and JR seems like he's in love with Penelope Ford. Next one here. MJF actually got attacked by a fan as they went off the air. Okay, to your uh, observation way. That's some old school heel heat. The eight man was crazy and furthered a storyline and the backstage segment with Hangman and the pitcher of beer was hilarious. So That's I'll have to go back and, and look at that. I, I missed that part, but I would, hmm. my, my assumption not having seen it would be that it was probably a fan just getting out of control. Hmm. We got Andrew from Cape Breton who said the biggest positive AEW has over WWE is how beloved their baby faces are, and said I felt like a continuation of that with the main event angle. I don't, I didn't know what to expect from the ten lashes angle, but with everyone coming out, it really gave you sympathy for Cody. Cody is fascinating. He's a cross between his father and Ric Flair. He's a rich, powerful babyface that everyone gets behind. It's just wild to see a company where the fans have faith in their babyfaces. I guess except in the women's division. My hope next week is that Nyla Rose wins and runs through the entire women's division until they find the right babyface to face her. Though I have a question, which may be an awkward topic of discussion. Nyla still faces transphobic comments from members of the audience, and my question is, should they let... Nyla cut an in-ring promo on these people or even discuss it at all. I feel Nyla probably does have a promo in her head that she would love to get out, but would it be appropriate? Part of me wants to ignore it as it shouldn't have anything to do with her character, but another wants to see a scaling promo on some of the fans. Anyway, great show, 7 out of 10. Um, I, I don't find that to be a prevalent thing at all. Like, I don't notice that. Well, what are we oh, talking about? Online. Twitter? Yeah. Okay, on Who Twitter. Of, well, Who knows you're where, not, right? I'm... I'm not basing my television around Twitter comments. Yeah, I wouldn't either. And and I don't necessarily feel like that type of promo is is relevant to her heel character right now. I think um I mean if it's something she wants to do, um I mean I could see I think that's such a small minority of the audience. Yeah. It's like, like why even give them that power? Um unless I, I, I think and more importantly, I just I don't see it really working with the current character. I don't see it having sort of any point. Let's say she beats Riho and then she cuts sort of like this, you know, mm, I don't know, scathing criticism of her critics. Like that's, I don't know. That's a bit a, a weird fit to me. Nick from Lansing, Michigan, uh, top to bottom. What a great show. Uh, opening was strong with Moxley and Ortiz and ending with the big angle with MJF and Cody with the exception, with the exception of some of the between matches uh, picture-in-picture moments, like Cody taking off his shirt, it didn't feel like a moment of TV time was wasted. Moxley feels like a serious threat to Jericho's place at the top. MJF took his time with the lashes, working the crowd the whole segment. All great stuff, but my match of the night was the eight-man tag. I can understand the criticism people might have with the confusion over the legal man on commentary, but for me, when the action is that chaotic, there's only so much control you can expect the referee to have. As long as there are no major rule violations, it doesn't bother me. People are in and out in an environment like that, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Did not bother me in that particular match. I mean, it was like one of those like ape shit crazy pacings that I think you just have to turn your brain off and just enjoy the action. Um, and I feel like in especially this that type of match, you I have no problem with it at all. It wasn't like, an issue for me in the match. Yeah. Like I, I, I didn't even notice if there was like improper people involved yeah, at, at certain points. But when you're having those eight man spots, I mean, that's going to happen. JR did uh, specifically mention how in AEW wrestlers have 10 seconds 
to uh, after a tag with which to get out of the ring. So I don't know if they abided by that throughout that entire match. I, I think, think that one was broken didn't. a few times. <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, Noah from Vaughn. I thought tonight's show was another very strong addition for a show that has really hit its stride in the new year. I loved how they set up matches for each of the coming three weeks leading up to the revolution. The way they have been building up Moxley for this title match has been phenomenal. And kudos to Santana with a very good promo setting up their match for next week. 8.5 out of 10 show for me. Okay, Jay from Colorado. Jericho flying off the handle about Moxley doing something that Jericho himself did weeks earlier is a fantastic heel move. He's simply the best heel in the business. That bump Riho took off the table looked rough. I've heard that it hurts more if they don't break. Not sure if there's any truth to that. Well, go through a table and find out. I would Uh, imagine because there's no give. No. Hangman manifesting a pitcher of beer out of thin air might be my favorite thing to have happened in wrestling in 2020. And I wasn't too into the 10 lashes with the belt. Have you ever been hit with a belt like that? I haven't. Don't plan to either. Thank you, Jay. Got a Raven from Sacramento who says the lashing whipping segment was the second time this week that I've gotten emotional watching sports for Cody to take nine lashes and then have Brandy normal non nightmare collective loving wife Brandy coming down teary eyed got me doing it with no entrance music put all the emotion on the visuals and acting. Oh, that would have been so goofy if she came out to her theme no, song. No, absolutely. In fact, like part of me feels like mm, I would have liked if there was no commentary either like if they just completely stripped it bare and, and, and raw you could have just been yeah. silent yeah like they're stunned as well like the audience raymond says uh she grabbed cody's hand said one more and mjf hit him with the on the dream tattoo perfect stuff i didn't even notice that i've probably never been a bigger fan of cody's than i am right now okay and gerard writes i can't believe it but it looks like Britt baker has regressed as a wrestler she couldn't take several moves properly and even a great wrestler like yuka sakazaki couldn't make her look good i know there will be those who like the final segment with the lashes and while i thought mjf looked great having so many different people walk down to the ring made it feel way too melodramatic for me to really like the whole segment the whole thing that really interested me on the show was the further development of the hangman page storyline Gerard's reaction is like something I, I feel like they they were certainly risking, you know, when doing an angle like this that kind of like from the get-go demanded the fans to feel sorry for your baby face. Uh, and I think, you know, any any overperformance would have turned it into something that was too much. You know? it, it comes down to the people executing it, but I think fans often aren't given enough credit for how they will get into stuff like that. Like if you if you laid out to me the finishing sequence of Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair. Yeah. Sure. I would have been like, are, are you out of your mind? That is so hokey. But look how it, that's one of the most fondly remembered mm-hmm. moments See of that, the last 20 years. That absolutely felt real because you knew it was Flair's retirement. Conversely, like I think back to this Lacey Evans current babyface push where it's just like, on paper, you would think that it wouldn't work, but I think in execution, it's so forced and I think so manipulative that I, I think fans see through it. Yeah. yeah, I just thought this this last segment it, it worked so well. I think people were, um, the very least, they could they could like this was not some contrived wrestling angle. Like this is you know something that you know people can either relate to or at least see the um, you know I thought Cody was fantastic in conveying mm-hmm. the pain and it worked really really well. I did not find this melodramatic at all. I thought it just uh, built and had like it was high drama by the end of it. Finally, Alex. Oh, is that me or you? Uh, You're up, I believe. Finally, Alex says, not a good show overall. The lashes were interesting. Very brutal, but maybe a bit too over the top. 
completely worthless Brit match. She's actually worse than before if that was possible. Nyla sucks, and now we have to watch her wrestle Riho. Hangman stuff was great, and Mox stuff was good. Overall, I thought the show was mediocre at best. Well, there you go. See, I totally disagree with about Britt Baker. I think she's like looked improved, or at least like more than passable to me, in my opinion. Um, in fact, I kind of felt like it was Sakaz- a three-minute match. I kind of felt like Sakazaki looked looked to be somewhat the weaker one, but I don't. Know, people are going to probably disagree with that. Well, that's what everyone's out there to do to d- disagree. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I, I thought a really strong episode of Dynamite tonight. On- outstanding angle to close the show that was the high point i think they're doing a fantastic job on the jericho moxley front mm-hmm. uh I, I think like this this pay-per-view feels like a like it feels like a show they've been building for months which they have mm-hmm. and you've known the direction and now you're at that that sweet spot where you're just peaking in a couple of weeks and everything's really firing on all cylinders for the the major programs. the next three weeks are going to be crucial can they man- maintain this momentum and even build on it you know what? What other kind of new wrinkles can they add to these programs that are that are already, I would say, pretty hot? Yeah, I, I think Cody in that cage match with Wardlow in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I think that should be a phenomenal scene as well. Yeah. And then the following week, like I want to get big promos from Moxley from Cody. Um, I think I think that final show could have some tremendous segments. What else have they? What else is going to be on that on that card? Let's pull up the card here because they. Uh, well, we know we're getting that that tag match after the battle royal in a couple of weeks. Uh, but beyond that, nothing officially announced, right? Yeah, I think we only have the two matches, okay, officially, and then the tag title match. So uh, probably you would think maybe Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara get in there, right? Um, something with with the women's title. Yeah, could be Nyla, could be Riho. We don't know. Yeah, yeah, you. I would be surprised if they flip the title next week. You think so? I would be surprised if they flipped it. I I think they'd keep it with Rio, but we'll find out. We'll see. Um, So that's it, everybody. We're going to be back on Thursday. Cafe Hangout is coming at you 3 p.m. Eastern time, live for all patrons. Uh, Brandon Thurston will be on the show. We're going to go through all of the the fourth quarter earnings report and year-end figures as well as the investors call which is going to be something else what what are the promos going to be like on that call oh it'll be very interested yeah will vince Bate make an appearance you would think so in a situation like this you know how many how many lashes is vince going to take in that oh, on that god. call yeah i don't know hit star five <laughs> to, to deliver a lash to... anyway yeah uh it, it, it's a it's a big day uh on, it on is a very front. big day yeah for, for them and I think we'll be putting audio of the uh, call if we are able to get a copy of it onto the cafe feed. So if you're a patron, you can just uh, refresh your feeds whenever we get that, and you can listen to it for yourself before or uh, sometime sometime before the, uh, the we we do the can't hangout. Uh, other than that, you can probably stream it yourself too, can't you? From WWE, I think if you sign up for uh, an account, it's available somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So we'll have lots of coverage on the site tomorrow. So keep a check. Uh, Check out postwrestling.com for all the breakdowns and shows that we'll have out tomorrow. And then Friday night, rewind to SmackDown with Waiting, a fireside review with Waiting. His final night in his current home yeah. before he leaves. And he's spending it with all of you. We'll be in an empty room. It'll just be you and me. SmackDown. Sounds like sounds like a wonderful night, a Friday night with Waiting. All right. Thanks, to everybody, for tuning in. Go check out Up Next, and we'll speak with you Thursday on The Hangout.